This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up, why has eating out become such a big part of Malaysian food culture? So this is actually a continuation of the inside story from yesterday, right? In which this was being explored more from uh, economics and financial point of view. In other words, that... Okay, to begin at the beginning, um, the economy minister, Rafizi Ramli, in what was actually a wide-ranging interview, um, mentioned that Malaysians spend a considerable portion of earnings every month on eating out or ordering in, and that this, in comparison to other countries, is actually kind of quite significant. And so what we thought we'd do today is focus not so much on the whole notion of whether that's where all our money is going, because you guys did that yesterday, um, but instead look at that point about in comparison to other countries and try and understand why it is that that is the case. Is it really just down to policy, um, as some are suggesting, or does it also have to do with the way we think about food, the way in which food is a part of our culture? So I think there's so much here that is interesting, right? And it needn't become a conversation about what's right and what's wrong. Because I think that, um, yes, like you said, yesterday there was a lot of conversation around the systems under which we live and how that shapes these choices. But I do find it very interesting to think about what the notion of eating out uh, and what that means within Malaysian culture, because it's different, right? I've um, When I studied in Australia, I think one of the biggest culture shocks for me was moving there and realizing, of course, this was a couple of decades ago. Um, but even now, you'd find that after a certain time, it's not necessarily common to be able to step out and just find a place that you can have a casual meal. Usually, the only thing you'd be able to find is probably um, some kind of a takeaway um, or maybe fast food or a pub. Um, and then there are other communities in which eating out is still very much a special occasion kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, I keep thinking about Two things. So firstly, our guest is going, um, you're going to hear from her very shortly, and she is French or originally from France. And I think that there's so much to say about French food culture, right? Um, there, there's been a lot written about it. Uh, for example, not walking on the street and eating at the same time, which... Mm. Uh, in in some other places, particularly if you're used to handheld foods, things like sandwiches or hot dogs, it's natural. It's what you do. Um, in some other countries, it's just considered deeply, I wouldn't say problematic, but just not done. Like Japan. Exactly, mm. like Japan. So if you visited Japan and you're enjoying your little egg sandwich on the street, um, people will stare. And, and it's not something that... Uh, if you didn't read about it beforehand that you might have thought about, especially if you come from a place like ours where grabbing a uh, pisang goreng out of a bag and I just, thought like, of pisang goreng it, too. That's the exact really handheld. handheld food I had in mind. It's the perfect shape. Yep. So, you know, if you're used to being able to do that, then it's going to be something that's quite shocking to you. Um, similarly with the the idea of the work lunch and what that means, right? Um, so if I'm not mistaken, I think in France, you literally cannot eat at your desk. It, it's not something that is permissible. 
you have to go out for lunch. And so I, I think thinking about all these things and considering the ways we eat is quite a helpful way of looking at why it is that we dine out. Yeah. Um, yesterday, our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Williams, talked about how in Malaysia, we have a culture of thinking of uh, meal times as also social times. Um, and therefore, when we meet up with friends, it often tends to be around a meal or meet up with family tends to be around a meal. And that, of course, then coupled with the abundance of affordable places to eat in Malaysia. So that also shapes the choices that we might make and also why we might choose to eat out rather than to eat at home. So there's so much to talk about, really. Um, we will be joined after this uh, by Dr. Elise Monia, who is an associate professor at the School of Food Studies and Gastronomy at Taylor's University. But we'd like to hear from you as well. Have you noticed this to be true? Have you noticed differences in food culture in different countries? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond frivolous mishmash, BFM eighty nine point nine. It's 5.13. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. We're doing a follow-up to our story from yesterday. Um, we looked at the uh, the economics behind eating out yesterday. Today, we're looking at the cultural aspect of it, specifically how the notion of going out for a meal differs from culture to culture, from community to community. So we'd like to hear from you as well. Have you noticed this to be true? Have you noticed differences in food culture in different countries? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Dr. Elise Monia, who is an Associate Professor at the School of Food Studies and Gastronomy at Taylor's University. Elise, good to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. So firstly, what have you observed about the habit of eating out in Malaysia? Do we indeed do it more than most other countries? Well, I can rely on my own observation. And as you said, like coming from France, uh, arriving here 10 years ago, it was kind of cultural shock as uh, you might have experienced on the old side. And um, recently we did actually uh, conducted a survey uh, specifically actually looking at this matter in Asia uh, because we have actually very little actually data on this matter. And what we found out from this survey is that about 30% of the daily meals of Malaysian are actually uh, eaten away from home. And uh, if on top of it, uh, we are considering what is uh, taken from uh, outside and eaten at home or delivered at home, in this case, we actually are speaking about 40% of the daily meals uh, which are in this situation. So it's actually quite substantial. And maybe to give a kind of idea, it's uh, a bit lesser than Singapore, but Singapore is a city-state, so a bit actually specific. But if I'm going back to my example of uh, France and this cultural shock, it's four times actually uh, what we have actually observed in France. So on that, um, how do people in France approach the notion of dining out? Is it considered a luxury? Is it considered an everyday thing? Well, um, maybe when we speak to France as well as uh, other European countries, uh, we need to consider maybe two different uh, situations where we will be actually eating out. There are actually the daily occasions where maybe you will eat out at the canteen with colleagues, uh, maybe at your desk. It, it, it's, it is permissible now. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and uh, there is actually a situation where you will actually indeed actually dine out. And in this case, yes, it's actually uh, something which is really like uh, occasionally, which is actually associated actually to a leisure or uh, which is actually quite costly. Uh, so you won't actually dine out like on a daily basis very, uh, very clearly. So this idea of like dining out or here maybe we can expand actually to eating out is indeed actually defined actually very differently from one culture to another one uh, because of our norms, but also because of the material conditions we are actually living in and able to access to. So just to expand on that, our, our interview with Dr. Jeffrey Williams yesterday, he spoke about how Malaysian food culture essentially encourages people to eat out. Could you tell us more about this? What are some of the cultural aspects that are unique to Malaysia that might lead people to eat out over eating at home? Well, uh, yes, definitely. Like uh, We are looking at it really like from a systemic perspective where there are actually some kind of scripts, there are some kind of rules which are actually allowing the different social actors actually to coordinate around the production, the transformation, processing of food, and even actually conception in terms of, okay, how, when, uh, with whom, and all. And uh, when it comes to Malaysia, there is uh, quite clearly actually some, um, actually this uh, kind of scripts, uh, which are actually allowing us actually to in, uh, eat out more and maybe less uh, at home. So this is actually going back to, uh, the availability of uh, food uh, nearby, uh, its affordability, uh, sometimes informality, um, whatever is related to it in terms of uh, sociality. Uh, it's good to depart uh, with uh, friends, for example, at the Namak for supper. Uh, and there are also some situations where when it comes at home, uh, it might not be actually that easy to cook certain of the dishes or certain of the uh, kind of meals that we would expect to be actually proper for, say, for example, breakfast or dinner uh, at home. Because, um, yeah, say, if you are expecting actually a breakfast uh, to include a nasinimac or a roti chanak, it might be quite complicated to cook this nasinimac or to flip this roti chanak before going to work. So you may grab it on the way, on the stall nearby your workplace and eat it with your colleagues. Mm. Malaysian work culture, though, has been a consistent aspect that's been brought up. And we were talking earlier about the notion of the work lunch and how that's perceived in France. Um, what has been your observations of this? Well, uh, there is actually indeed uh, some norms in France where it might not be actually, um, or in the past it was maybe not so actually um, easy actually to eat really like at the desk. Um, things are changing, so I won't say that it's still actually the case, but there are actually this kind of, uh, this kind of actually way to look at uh, things. And globally speaking, what we can observe is that uh, with urbanization, there is indeed actually a time of commute, uh, which is actually uh, leading people maybe to concentrate uh, their work day and hence actually dedicate less time actually to eat uh, when actually they are at work uh, compared to other situations where there is actually, uh, for example, a given um, time for lunch. Let's say, for example, in the industry manufacturing, you might have actually a very specific shift with actually a given actually time for this main break. So when you have actually this kind of uh, break, uh, on one side, yes, it may be less flexible and maybe uh, this would lead actually to other practices uh, uh, in the morning or in the evening. But for lunch, you will uh, take actually this actually as an opportunity actually to, to really like have your lunch. 
with actually the rise of the tertiary service sector, uh, we could have actually also like this proportion actually to concentrate more the what they. Now this suggests that people who live a more fast-paced lifestyle are the ones who are more likely to eat out. Is this necessarily true? Do eating choices uh, change or vary when it comes to households that live in more rural areas? Uh, yes, once again, actually, what we observe, and uh, this actually this is quite common with other surveys that are uh, related to uh, eating out, there is actually an association between urbanization and higher rates of uh, eating out. Uh, and this was observed in the survey I was referring to with uh, 15,000 uh, respondents uh, across uh, five Asian countries. And uh, for example, for Malaysia specifically, it was actually also the case. Uh, we observed like about 30% for, uh, yes, 30% of the meals for urban areas uh, compared to, I would say, about 21%, if my mind is fresh right now, uh, for rural areas. So there are indeed actually differences. Now, um, there is really like, uh, back actually to this question of daily life, uh, there is indeed actually this question of daily life. But for example, during weekends, those same people who are actually considering at maybe like these time constraints, the convenience of preparing a meal uh, when actually heading, heading back home uh, at night, maybe during weekends, there will be actually the same people who are going for cooking a lesson or going for, I don't know, uh, Jalan Jalan, Macan Macan and uh, having really like some good time uh, around food and cooking as a leisure. Now, the minister, we go back to the original statement, drew direct comparisons between Malaysia and countries like South Korea, which I found interesting partly because work culture in South Korea is famously demanding. Mm. Um, why is there this distinction then? What are they doing differently? Well, um, on this point, I don't have actually much actually to say as an academic. Uh, I would say that. Uh, this is may, maybe actually more uh, based on my own observations. As an academic, what we can say is that there are actually indeed actually some uh, famous, famously demanding actually work culture, yet actually people tend to, uh, seems to uh, eat um, at home um, also like more frequently. Uh, and this goes back really like to different social organizations. If we go back actually to this idea that um, we have actually some scripts which are organizing how we coordinate actually socially as uh, a fact of uh, producing the food, uh, processing, distributing it, and uh, incorporating it, eating it. Um, these are different actually ways in South Korea compared to, to Malaysia. And this is also what's inviting us, at, um, really like considering what are actually the specific context and history. Uh, before like implementing uh, what works somewhere else uh, in actually, for example, the Malaysian context. Now, it's also been suggested that in other countries, eating out is seen as a luxury or a leisure activity and home-cooked meals tend to be the norm. So places like Italy or France or India come to mind. Now, is this more to do with push or pull factors? You know, in other words, is this more to do with how people perceive home-cooked food or how people think about eating out and its value? I would say both. And uh, definitely it's an interplay between actually these two. Uh, definitely, there are actually some norms, uh, some values which are related to actually home cooked food or to the question of uh, eating out. Um, I would say that uh, this inviting, yeah, really like yeah, this is inviting us to look at first actually what do we consider as home cooked food. Um, uh, let's say, for example, I open 
a can of mackerel. I commented it and I um, toast actually some sandwich. Is it cooking? And if cooking, um, there are actually quite a lot of debate right now with uh, ultra processed foods. And so I, I think like when we speak about home cooked food, we really need to maybe like enter a little bit more in detail on, mm. okay, what does it mean? And uh, this is a term which is always coming actually with quite uh, a bit of moral considerations. And yeah, I think as social scientists, it's good actually to kind of step back and uh, look at this actually more clearly. What does it mean? Now, we have seen a rise in digital platforms and food delivery services post-pandemic, which means you dine out, but you're at home. How has this level of convenience and the fact that this means people have more options than before influenced the way people choose their meals, uh, both here as well as abroad? Yes, yes. Yes, this is definitely a big, big change. The data I was referring to, and uh, thank you for, <laughs> it's, a, it's a way to introduce that the data I was referring to uh, is actually based on observation just before the COVID lockdowns worldwide. So uh, here it's a good uh, baseline for us actually to consider. Uh, and definitely like uh, this actually new platform, digital platform have been actually changing a lot how practices and uh, even actually the way actually the, the actors which are involved in these decisions uh, related actually to what we will eat and when and how. So uh, definitely actually a big transformation. Uh, now, for now, on our side, we don't have actually data yet because the data I was referring to is quite costly actually to produce in terms of uh, money and time too. Uh, so we are yet actually to, to get actually this kind of updates. Uh, but definitely like a big change uh, for Malaysia as, uh, in other places and Yes, looking forward, actually, uh, understanding how it's affecting differently, actually, different food cultures. Elise, what would you like to leave us with? Oh, that's a good question, Jamila. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think really, like, for me, like, one of the key messages is really, like, that actually the way we eat is part of uh, a food culture. It's not only what we eat, but also the way we eat it. Uh, and um, saying so, that means that uh, this is actually part of the unique way uh, people living in Malaysia have actually been finding actually their way uh, among actually the different constraints they are dealing with. And this is a resource in a way. So I think this is something to be considered. Elise, thanks for speaking with us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Elise Monya, who is an Associate Professor at the School of Food Studies and Gastronomy at Taylor's University, weighing in on the cultural aspects of eating out and how this differs from country to country. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Have you noticed this to be true? Have you noticed differences in food culture in different countries? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. I think we have time for some of the messages that have come in. Yes, so MZ says, we have a culture based around food that's available around the clock. I just came back from a holiday in Perth and restaurants close at 8pm, in some cases 6, supermarkets close by 9, many locals cook at home and make their own meals for lunch during the weekday. Price-wise, the difference between cooking and eating out is almost twofold. Obviously, it's more expensive there. I graduated from the US almost 20 years ago and it's the same except with fast food. Um, MZ, I, I studied in Perth and I know this to be true. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. 
it's such a huge culture shock for Malaysians going over. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, I remember also learning and realising, and, and again, for someone going over at like 20, it's so new, right? Um, realising that part of the rationale behind this, because grocery stores also, for instance, would close by, um, I can't remember now, back then it was, I think, 6pm or something. Um, And it was because they they basically believed in people having work-life balance, including employees of restaurants and supermarkets and so on. And I like to me, that was such a new thing. That, but also the price difference is a real thing, isn't it? Yes, because, absolutely. Um, I haven't been to Australia in a little while, but uh, the last time I went, I remember flying in overnight and therefore coming in, you know, at 8am and just needing a um, a coffee <laughs> and some food <laughs> and going to a cafe and being shocked at how much it cost. And I think when you look at that and compare it to toasting some bread and making coffee at home, it's a significant difference. Keep your thoughts coming. Have you noticed this to be true, that there are differences in food culture in different countries? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about Malaysian food culture and how big a part of that eating out is. Um, and we've been asking you, have you noticed that there are differences in food culture in different countries? Um do weigh in. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have uh, some messages on this. We do. So Amin says, I think that in Malaysia, we just have such a variety of food and not everyone is able to prepare those in the comfort of their own home. So eating out is the best way to have all of those foods easily. Well, that's actually um, something that our guest earlier, Dr. Elise Monia, pointed out as well, um, that things like, say, roti chanai um, isn't necessarily something that we can easily prepare at home. And then I also think that, um, as you say, I mean, the variety, sometimes you love something that you're not necessarily used to making at home. You may not know the techniques or have the ingredients on hand. So it just becomes relatively easy, especially because it's affordable to plan to go out and have it. So at the risk of sounding like a spoiled brat, um, I've realised that food prep, um, unless it is a matter of economic, um, unless it's economically driven for me, um, and even when it is, I found that food prep just doesn't really work for me because of the lack of variety. So after a while, I just cannot stomach my own food. (laughs) And this is despite the fact that I I generally enjoy cooking and um, it's something that I like doing. But I really have found that overall, um, because of the variety and therefore, frankly, the temptation, um, after a while, you just cannot eat the same thing, even if it was delicious on day one. Well, speaking of, Nicholas says, in regards to the discussion today, having a sandwich for lunch is perfectly normal in Western countries. But for some reason, when you have a sandwich for lunch in Malaysia, the default reaction seems to be, ado, sedihnya. Even though when done properly, sandwiches can be nutritious and simple to make. You don't need to have noodles or rice every single meal. So, I get it, Nicholas. I think, you know, whether a sandwich or a salad, um, many... Asians, not just Malaysians, feel that meals are incomplete when they don't have, say, a rice or a noodle component. I also think that it's the association of something like a sandwich with health food or dieting. 
Oh, uh, I have a very, again, kind of semi-spoiled brat answer for this, which is that I struggle sometimes with cold food. Oh, we've making... had this conversation yeah. <laughs> off air because I love food. a good sandwich, even if it's cold for lunch. I love sandwiches. I just don't feel like they're a meal. Mm. I feel like they're a snack if they are served cold. <laughs> if it's hot, it's quite another thing. Also, do you remember that little um, that trend that was sweeping... I don't know whether it was, it's definitely a Chinese social media a little while ago where um, young Chinese people were having what they called their version of like white people lunches, you know, a sliced apple, a sandwich, and then essentially going on about how sad it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Because if you missed it, it's it's... Essentially, your message, but encapsulated in you know TikToks. White people lunch, I think, is what it's called. I think it might actually have been called that, and yeah. it was people just talking about how um, if this is the case, then life is not worth living, <laughs> so on, so forth. <laughs> um, let's see. We also have well, actually, firstly on sandwiches, uh, CF Troy just saying sandwiches are expensive in Malaysia and they don't last long. Nasi lah. Okay, so Nicholas, in all fairness, was talking about making your own. And you can make your own sandwiches and make them well. They do require a little bit of um, engineering, I think, in terms of where it is that you put the, the veggie elements or how you're doing it to keep to ensure that by the time it gets to lunch, it's something you still want to eat. But to be fair, we are talking about making it. We do have a voice note that's come in. This is from Bing. Oh, definitely. There's a difference in food culture. I was in Italy once and, and I was drinking, ordered a cappuccino uh, around noon. I was given weird uh, eyes staring at me. Uh, and uh, I think even the, the cafe guy was telling me, you know, no, 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 they don't serve, you know. But uh, what I realized that uh, cappuccino can only be consumed in the morning. Um, and the other thing is um, over there, you, you have to pay for real estate if you want to sit down. Uh, table, uh, your, your price is slightly different compared to the ones uh, being taken away or being drunk right at the counter itself. So it's slightly different. Um, uh, the other one is actually uh, in certain restaurants where they call Trattoria or Oster and Osteria. Uh, they do serve you until the time to serve is the correct time. The door may be open, but uh, if the restaurant actually only starts cooking at uh, 8 o'clock at night, uh, that, well, you have to wait for it to start at 8 o'clock at night. They won't even bother to say hello to you or even entertain you. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, these are a bit of uh, differences uh, if compared to uh, this part of the world. And then the siestas in, in, uh, in Spain, uh, Portugal, right? Uh, I've also noticed uh, that um, Indians eat rather late at night, um, close to what eight o'clock, nine o'clock. So that's also something different. Anything in between that, good luck to you. You'll be hungry. Uh, whereas um, in the US, um, I noticed that and uh, Canada, right? It's very much dependent on whether you're in a university town or you're in a small town. Uh, that's a big difference. Uni town, good luck. To, uh, it's fantastic because you have food almost 24/7. Whereas tra traditionally in small towns, good luck lah. If you have any, if you don't follow certain times, that's it. You won't even have anything. Bing, uh, thank you for yeah. I mean that actually illustrates a whole number of examples. The small town in the US um, is something I personally experienced when I landed up on assignment in a very small town. Landed. 
after lunch, walked around for like an hour and finally ended up having to just buy chocolates and, and like a bag of chips from a convenience store because there was actually just nothing open. Yeah, um, I, I once walked into what I thought was a very famous uh, tapas place, I think, in Barcelona at what I thought was the very decent hour of 7.30 and they were not open and they looked at me like I was crazy. Um, there was an actual, please get out. What are you doing here? Do you speak Spanish? You don't? It's okay, just get out uh, kind of vibe that was happening. And I was really surprised until I realised that I, I was the dumb one in that instance and that really I should have just started heading out at 10. And that, I think, is... Although for most of us here, in many instances, that would be considered just beyond the pale, right? <laughs> to, to only start thinking about dinner at 10. Just to close off, at least on this side of things, Nashua saying, as a Maldivian living in Malaysia, I can say that Maldivians love to eat together on special occasions such as Eid, similar to the Malaysian tradition of open houses. However, in recent years, gathering at neighbours' houses has become less common in, in the Maldives and more people prefer to eat in restaurants. This is likely due to the convenience of restaurants and the rise of flats and buildings in place of larger houses with more space to accommodate guests. Interestingly, coffee culture is bigger in the Maldives than in Malaysia. Maldivians spend hours at coffee places, even though they can be overpriced. Despite the pandemic and the inflation, the number of people eating out has not decreased significantly, I think. Fast-paced jobs also play a role in this, as client meetings and other work events often turn into coffees and lunches. Nashwa, thank you for that report from the Maldives, or rather from here, but with a Maldivian perspective, because that's really interesting. And um, I was thinking actually about how the Chinese New Year reunion dinner used to be exclusively a home thing. Um, people would cook for days, people would, you know, or at least cook for the entire day just to prepare for that moment, right? Um, and yet increasingly over the years, I've noticed a trend of people doing it in restaurants as mm. well. And I think that it's for um, very similar reasons. It's just people don't have time. Um, it's much more convenient. Restaurants are offering uh, packages and then this is where we are. Keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you, have you noticed differences in food culture in different countries? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.